Hello, hello everyone. Welcome in to That Sounds Gay. My name is Jer and I will be your podcast host for the next half hour or so. I hope you're all having a good week. I'm glad that I'm actually able to be here on a Thursday, I, although I do think this is going to end up being uploaded a little bit late tonight. But I was mentioning last week that my my voice was pretty tired, and I think throughout the week, because I do talk so much, I think I've been accelerating my volume a little bit too much to the point where I'm ending up burning out my voice by the end of Wednesday. And so I end up sounding like a person who's been chain smoking 24 hours for the last two decades, <laughs> which is not not the vibe when your entire job is talking to people. It's definitely not the vibe at all. So I've been trying to be careful about how much I, I don't know, increase my, my volume. I've been having my headphones like partially off when I talk because the headphones that I have are noise canceling. So it even like noise cancels my own voice. Normally I feel like I can hear where I'm at and I can sort of moderate that as I need to. Although now saying these words, this sounds like a big lie because I have always had volume control issues. So actually, I think the <laughs> I think these noise canceling headphones are actually probably making things worse. I remember sitting on my parents' lap in church when I was a kid and my parents would tell me to whisper something if I wanted to tell them something and they'd be like, Jerry, you're talking too loud. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm whispering. And they're like, you are not whispering and everybody can hear you. This has always been a problem. So I've been trying to moderate and make sure that I'm being more careful and more conscientious of that so that I don't sound like a gremlin that if you throw water on me, I'm going to reproduce and haunt the entire universe, which is not not the vibe, not the moment, not the tea. And uh, that's that's been something I've been working on the last week. But I also feel like it's been one of those weeks where just like everything that could be going wrong is sort of going wrong. And I won't harp on anything, but th- there was a, a day this week where someone on TikTok was like, today's a great manifestation day. If you manifest something into the world today, you'll get all of it in whatever time you ask for it. Today is the day to do it. So do these things. And it was like, great, I'm going to manifest. I'm going to I'm gonna manifest these goals that I would like to achieve by the end of the year. I'm going to manifest these things that I want to see for my life coming up because my birthday's coming up in a month. I'm like, here's what I want to do for this year of my life. And here's the things that I would love to see for myself. And I manifested all these things. And I was like, this is what I want. This is what I want. Literally the next day, the opposite of every one of those things happened. (laughs) It was like, did I do something wrong? Did I piss off some type of eldritch god or something when I manifested this? Did I reach into the wrong manifestation portal that someone heard and was like, oh, this queer NB wants this? Well, let's give him the opposite. <laughs> let's really make him suffer. Because it yesterday was rough. Yesterday was rough, rough. The day before that was started, it like almost right after I started manifesting is when things started getting weird. So I definitely think I messed something up. And I'm going to need a spiritualist to help guide me through that. Because either, either I potentially just messed up the next year of my life, 
or I pissed off something for a short time. I need to figure out how to, how to fix that. Because, <laughs> girl, this is not good. This is not good. But yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a tough, tough midpoint of this week. So I'm hoping that it, it turns around. But I'm definitely hoping that you have had a much stronger week. That you are are doing well. And I'm sure that you're doing the very best that you can be right now. And thank you for coming back and listening once again. I wanted to sort of talk about today this long, long-standing thing that I've had in the back of my mind about growing up queer and not really having people around to sort of look up to or to even identify with of it in any capacity. Uh, the town that I grew up in was so tiny. There were only two two gay people that I knew of. One of them was a, a cop and uh, it was a friend of my parents. And another one was someone at one of the, the schools that I went to. And basically, I didn't really know the cop at all. I only kind of knew of some things that they were doing. And the person at my school was really really deeply in the closet. And then by the time that I became an 18-year-old and I started getting a job, I had a coworker who was gay. And he was just like a little bit older than me. So it, we were sort of in the same rut of not really knowing what it's like to be gay. We were sort of just figuring it out. And we, are, we were kids of the internet. So we had the internet connectivity but not really any like queer elders to show us what that looks like and what it's quote unquote supposed to be like, which I don't know if there's necessarily a here's how to be gay manual that exists out there. But I I feel almost as if being in a small town where I didn't have a lot of access to this, I sort of had to make up my own narrative about what it would look like to be queer. And I I mean, I I see straight people all the time sort of get blueprints handed to them from a very early age of how to navigate life and how to, you know, navigate their straightness, whether it's necessarily acknowledged or not. I don't know if any parent necessarily tells them, hey, here's how to be straight, but they certainly give them the rubric of, you know, you're going to meet someone of the opposite sex and you will date and then get eventually married and then have kids. You'll have a house and a car. And this is how you navigate office relationships via storytelling and how parents deal with those things. And if there's something that they can't figure out, it's usually just how to repair a car or something. But I feel like it's so much more complex for us as queer people. I know for me, when I finally got into the adult world outside of my hometown, where I was able to sort of actually be more of me when I was in the later parts of college and I was starting to come out, I didn't really know what that was like. I didn't know how I was supposed to come out. I didn't really know what I was supposed to do in that. And I, I think a lot of queer people can sort of relate to that, where 
we have absolutely no idea what we're doing. Just one day we want to tell people who we are and what our real sexuality is and that we've been hiding behind this veil. But how do you do that? <laughs> no one's around to teach you that. Uh, no one taught me how to do this. I had to watch YouTube videos. I had to look at what other people were doing and hear other people's experiences and think, okay, it might not go well. <clears throat> and I sort of knew in the back of my mind, this is probably not going to be the most comfortable experience, but I didn't quite understand how uncomfortable it would be for me and the, the struggles that I would sort of create myself and the struggles that would be created for me. And that sort of goes in the realm of my parents reacting the way that they did. But then me taking that and taking that hurt and starting to apply that to other people, people that had nothing to do with them, people that were just my friends. And I assumed that they would treat me unfairly, treat me poorly, treat me badly. And I would apply this anger, this frustration, this sadness that I had about my parents' reaction. And I would apply that to someone who had nothing to do with that. And I wouldn't even give them a chance to get to know me because of the damage that I felt. And that's not anything that anyone prepped me for. We don't really get that. Not many of us. I think there are a couple people here and there maybe that we know in our lives that have access to queer resources at a very early age. And I'm so glad that those spaces exist. I have a very good friend who goes to a resource center every week. And it's so cool to hear their experience of being able to do that and meeting up with other people that are like them. And it would have been so cool, I think, to have an experience like that. And and maybe you have had that. Maybe you have experiences now where you have a lot of access to queer people. And for me, I really didn't. And a lot of people that I've spoken to as I've gotten older haven't had that opportunity to really learn from queer elders. And so with my aging up as I've gotten much older, I've been a lot more transparent about things and I've been honest about things with my sexual journeys, with my my thoughts, my feelings, how I've experienced certain levels of discrimination, how I've navigated life just as a queer person. I've been very transparent about that and I've been very honest about these things because I feel like it's better to share that with people and and not let that hide so that if there's just you know one person out there that maybe hasn't had someone to look at and think I'm okay the way that I am what I'm doing is all right I am navigating this the way that I'm supposed to or someone out there that can just feel like it's okay to be them I think that's that's ultimately what my goal is with doing this podcast, with being who I am and just sharing these pieces. And one of the biggest things that I get asked so often, especially now that I've navigated a lot 
more through my my queer experience and now I'm really navigating my my gender experiences and being very transparent about what that looks like and how that feels with people around me the biggest question that I always get is well what if I I feel this way but what if I don't feel enough like that and that has been a, a very interesting experience for me because I remember when I first started coming out, I did the I did the I'm bi thing. I, I told everybody that, even though I knew that I was gay. I just wanted it to be more palatable. And I don't want to buy erase anybody because bisexual people exist. And I think from statistics that I've looked at, bisexual people make up a good majority of the LGBTQIA spectrum. But I definitely did that, and I, I definitely felt for a very long time, well, am I gay enough? I don't go to nightclubs. I don't really listen to a lot of quote-unquote gay music. I don't really go out and do parties or anything. I don't do X, Y, Z. And I had these impressions of what being gay was from the media, and I didn't have any practical people around me that were just gay and living their life, that were just like everybody else. And I think if you were to maybe categorize as a straight person, you know, if we were to flip things around and maybe queer people are the dominant group of people in the world and only a couple of people are heterosexual and someone's born and they're like, well, I don't know how to be heterosexual in a world full of, of queer people. Well, uh, maybe I, I'm supposed to like sports. I'm supposed to be athletic and I got to love America. I I don't know what what that what that might look like, but as an extreme example and I think a lot of times we think the queer experience is like partying and going to bars and hooking up with people and we don't just see people that are just living their life and just vibing and going to work and coming home and hanging out with their cats. <laughs> we don't have enough experiences seeing those types of people, I think, in our day-to-day. We only sort of see the extreme ends. And when I was experiencing this very early on, I had that same feeling of, am I gay enough? And I didn't really have anybody around to tell me, like, no, you are. You are gay enough. You are gay. And that is all you have to be. And that same mindset applies to those in the non-binary, the gender fluid, the just uncaring about binary spectrum, is a lot of people almost feel like they're not good enough to take that title. And I've had so many people say, well, I don't I don't want to appropriate they and I don't want to I don't want to take that because there are people out there who are legitimately not not binary or are gender fluid and I don't want to take that from them and it it seems so it seems so gatekeepy I don't know who has given anybody this impression that if you don't follow these specific set of guidelines you do not get to take this title you know like it'd be the same thing of saying you don't get to to identify as gay if you don't go to bars if you don't hook up with random people if you don't do this if you don't take this type of party drug, you're, you're not gay. That doesn't matter. If you don't like Lady Gaga, you're out. Gay card revoked. 
you are just simply as straight and you don't realize it yet. Like what kind of, what kind of gatekeeping nonsense would that be? We would never do that. I mean, maybe somebody would, maybe there's somebody out there who would do that, but it's the same thing with being non-binary or, or being okay with a, a they pronoun or wanting that. You don't have to do anything. And one of the biggest things that has been brought up to me is someone who said, well, I don't, I don't really dress non-binary. I dress very masculine and I don't have long hair. I have short hair and I, you know, do these things. And I remember telling them, and I tell this to everybody, but do you think that that matters that you do those things? Does that define who you are? Does that define you as one gender or the other? And we talked about this in the very first podcast in Unpacking Gender, that gender is non-existent. It's not real. These are, are boxes that we have socially created because of society expectations, but they're not real. They, they don't actually matter. And for me, I, for the most part, present mostly masculine. Uh, there are a couple times where I do present more femme and I sort of teeter-totter between both those things at times. And then there's sometimes where I kind of just am vibing and I'm existing right in the middle. But for me, I recognize that societally I am presenting masculine, but the reality is, is that I'm just presenting as me. Again, I'm just existing. I'm just living my life. I'm not doing X, Y, and Z to be gender fluid because that's literally anti the point <laughs> of if you say, I am non-binary, I want to go by they, them. That's all that it is. You don't have to do any more than that. If someone says, I'm gay, they're gay. Even if they don't do anything that you might in your head associate with X, Y, Z. And I'm not, I'm not a trans person, so I have only so much weight to talk about this, but I have met many a trans person in my life who they would say, I'm trans and I would like to be recognized as this gender. And they didn't start any HRT. They didn't necessarily change anything about their presentation. And they just sort of kept living their life. And that was it. And that's all they had to do. And there were some people who would look at them and say, well, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. And how can you ask to be talked about in these pronouns or as this gender if you're not going to do anything to change that? But that's, that's, not, that's not for them to worry about. We don't need to be worrying about other people's business. We don't need to be worrying about what other people are doing with their lives. If they're not directly hurting us or affecting our lives in any way, what does it matter that we're getting all up in their business trying to tell them how they need to live their life? And how they need to present. If someone says, I am trans and I would like to be recognized as this. Our only response is, okay, I'm here to support you. We don't, we don't really get to tell someone 
in their journey what they're allowed and not allowed to do. And it's the same thing with people who are non-binary or gender fluid or even start the process of that. And so the going back to the question, are you non-binary enough? Are you enough? Yes, you are. You are good enough exactly how you are and exactly what you're doing now. And no matter what anybody tells you, no one can gatekeep that from you. If you are assigned male at birth and you want to completely reject the idea of of gender and say, you know what, I want to go by they, them, but you still want to do all those things that you might traditionally assume are a male thing, do it. Go by they, them. No one can stop you. No one can gatekeep you. All of this, again, they're all things that we've assigned to ourselves. They're perceptions that we have created. And going back to what I said earlier, there are some things that are cast upon us. And there are some things that we cast upon ourselves. And sometimes we take hurt from other people and we apply that pressure to others. Maybe people that came out as non-binary have faced some type of adversity. Maybe they faced some type of problem in that, that process. And so they take that pain and that hurt and they press that onto people who don't have anything to do with that. And there are a lot of people who are trying to gatekeep this concept and this language and say, only, only we can have this. This is ours. And I, I do think that there is a level of respect that has to come with this. And I think understanding the reality behind it is something that is important, is, you know, breaking down what gender actually is and that it is a societal construct. It is not real. And we use language to define ourselves however we want to. No one gets to define that for us because, again, it's all fake. So I can understand people who are upset at someone who maybe doesn't understand the history or the reasoning or the why. And I can understand that. And I think that's a good point where we can educate people rather than just chastise them and call them out and make them feel bad for wanting to explore something. Because the questioning stage is valid too. And some people go into questioning stages of even queerness and come out of it and go, "Mm, actually, I'm not. And I'm going to go back to what I was doing. And that's great. Questioning is a fantastic thing. Uh, Life, sexuality, gender, it's all so fluid. It's all really, really, really fluid. And when we start looking at that more intensely with a magnifying glass, we really see that. And so if anybody has ever gatekept you from using they, them, or other neo-pronouns, honestly, fuck them. (laughs) And fuck all that. Because no one can tell you how to live your life. You are enough by just existing as you are. No matter where you're at in your journey, if that is in non-binary, if that's in queerness, if that's in transness, if that's in straightness, and... I was actually talking about this. This is, this is quite convenient. I was talking about this with uh, someone last night about someone who that I knew years ago who was, she was straight 
as an arrow. She only ever dated men. She only ever had sex with men. And she loved men. But one day, she met this girl who changed her entire life. And they just started talking. And she was like, this is my person. This is, this is the person that I was built for. And she dated this girl very intensely for a very long time. And after they broke up for the reasons that were very personal, she still thought, this is my person and I will always love her, but that's going to be the only girl that I ever love. I have never felt this way about another female and I never, ever will. And she never did. As far as my understanding is, she only ever dated men after that. And her straightness was still valid just because one person comes into your life and changes your worldview doesn't negate that in any way. And conversely, there was someone who I knew who was completely gay, only ever had sex with men, only ever had relationships with men, and one day met a a woman and he got married to her. And his queerness is not invalidated by the fact that he is in a relationship that is hetero-presenting. It's the same thing of how we try to erase bi people all the time, which is so unfair because their bi-ness is still valid. And so no matter where you're at on your journey, know that you are enough. There are always going to be people who are going to raise an eyebrow and who are going to look at you and think, "Mm, are you doing it enough? Are you being enough? And those people are not (laughs) well-adjusted. Those people are not comfortable in themselves. So again, you are enough. And this is what I mean going back, back, back about being very transparent about my own journey, where I'm at and what I'm doing, that I never had anybody in my life when I was a kid tell me, hey, kiddo, you're doing enough and you're doing great exactly how you are. Don't change for anyone. That's why I have these conversations. That's why I'm open about them, because I think it's important to not feel isolated, to not feel alone, that no matter what you're doing, you are doing the best that you can and you're doing a great job and you can't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's extremely important. So I would love to pick up more of this conversation in the future and break down gender even more. And I think this is a good stopping point. So I am going to sign off, but I hope you have a fan freaking tastic week and i will talk to you again next week thank you for tuning in and listening uh, goodbye